Welcome to Through the Corporate Glass, a podcast that explores career choices. Hi everyone, I am Deepa, your host for today's episode. The Toyota production system, their philosophy and approach has had a huge impact on the manufacturing industry. The lean manufacturing methods derived from the Toyota production systems have been widely adopted. Today, lean Six Sigma process methods have a reach beyond manufacturing. In today's episode, we are going to be looking at the world through the eyes of an expert in process methods. We are going to talk about what they do, the problems they solve, and what it means to them. To talk about this, I have with me Prabhu. Prabhu is a senior director at GE Healthcare. He's an expert in transactional lean methods and a coach to senior leaders. He has over two decades of experience in driving business transformations. I'm always inspired by the passion that he brings to everything that he does. Hey Prabhu, glad to have you with us today. Welcome to the episode. Thanks for inviting me here today, Deepa. So what do you have today for me? (laughs) Sure, Prabhu. Thank you. So, Prabhu, you are the process expert, lean coach. I would love to hear you describe your role and what you do. Okay. I lead the process excellence initiatives for healthcare for certain regions in GE. I lead lean and process methods for India region, Akka region, which is also called ASEAN, Korea, and Australia, New Zealand. And also I coach senior leaders in the business on process methods. So mainly my work revolves around helping teams build processes across businesses so that they can be more productive on customer outcomes, as well as our internal process efficiencies, building up how each of the functions work well, the handoff is good, and then deliver the right outcomes. This spans across the entire organization because you have various um, functions in an organization. We have sales, service, operations, finance, and so on. Quite often you find that we process gaps, handoff gaps. So how well you can streamline those. So for doing this, we use a variety of process methods and this is what I do across the business. So Prabhu, yeah, I know we spoke about process, function. So let's break it down a little bit. Okay, let's take an example of a process and walk through how you break down the process and how you solve it. Yeah, let me explain what a process is. A process is a series of step-by-step activities with a beginning and an end, which is repeatable. So every day, many things which you do, which follow a step-by-step activity sequence is a process. A simple thing is like, say, the pre-pandemic time going to office for work. We get up in the morning, start getting ready, finish off our breakfast, get onto a vehicle, either a car or a bike or a public transport, go to the office, park a vehicle, go to our desk, dock a laptop, start working. If you look at this, this are around some seven or eight steps. And this is repeatable. Happens every day, every week, and so on. And in this process, there'll be value-adding steps and non-value-adding steps. So again, the simple example will say, at the time of going to the office, you may get stuck up in a traffic jam, waiting time. And then when you go and dock on your laptop, your power cord may not work, defects like that. 
So anything that does not add value in a process, in lean methods, we call them as waste, and how do you improve on them? So this is a very simple example on a day-to-day basis. So the same concept applies at work. You can have a sales process. A generic sales process will start from, say, giving a, a quote to a customer, then doing the negotiation, getting the order from the customer, executing on those particular deliverables, and finally installing the equipment in the customer's place. So if you look at this particular one, there are some five or six steps. And not everything will happen very well unless the standard work at every level is clearly defined and people know what they have to do. So when we have this type of areas, we tend to map the process flow and then try to visualize it end to end and then identify where the gaps are. And when the gaps are identified, narrow down to a finite list of challenges to work on. And then you start working on improvement areas. That was a lovely summary, Prabhu. I, <laughs> it was so clear. See, the one thing that uh, stands out when you speak about all this, so when you go in to look at a process, you are generally not the process expert, right? You go yeah. into sales, you are not the sales expert, so a sales yeah. process or commercial expert. So you bring together people and then you take info from them and solve the problem. Talk to us a little bit about how you go about doing that. Yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges in process mapping is like, you're not an expert, as I rightly pointed out, you're not the expert, but you have to get the thing going from the team who's available. So what you do is first, once you have a process to be worked on, you see who are the stakeholders involved in it. And so the first stage is like assembling the team. And this team is a cross-functional team who will know the process end to end collectively, underline the word collectively. For example, the sales process I said, from code to installation, it's a generic process. There'll be sales team which will be working on the front end. There'll be operations team which will be working in the middle. And there'll be the logistics team which will be working at the end. And there'll be some finance team who'll be working in between on checking out the margins, cost, and so on. Not one person will be doing the entire flow. But together, when you have uh, representatives from all these teams, the cross-functional team in the particular room, together, they'll be able to map the process end to end. And as a facilitator, what I do is ask the right questions to start from the beginning, saying what is happening at the first end? Where does it start? And then we ask who's actually owning these steps. And again, ownership, there are two levels, accountability and responsibility. <clears throat> responsibility is a team which is working on the particular area. Accountability is the one who's a single owner for the particular outcomes. Build the process with the right levels of process steps defined, activities defined, uh, ownership defined, cycle times defined, and then people know what to do when. So that becomes something like a standard work. Yeah, Prabhu, see, when you explain now, it looked like a nice, smooth discussion. But I'm sure when you have a lot of people in the room, there can be heated discussions and saying, no, this is not the way or this is the way. Because I think end of the day, when process is going to be implemented by the people who are involved. So there is the change management aspect. So when there are heated discussions, how does that happen? How do you handle it? Yeah, that is something which you uh, learn over a period of time, being in this particular area for more than two decades. And even now I'm learning about this. There's always been conflict coming in, especially in places where there, is, there are two different functions involved in the same area. And then quite often people try to find challenges in the other side. So you take off the particular problem away from the people and go to the systems and process side. So you direct the teams to work on things like 
okay, let's take this particular area. What is working well, what is not working well? And then quite often what I try to do is like, if, if I know that the stakeholders are emotionally involved in the process, it's going to stall the whole proceedings. So I ask them to do a method called right storming. Right storming is like, like the way how brainstorming happens where people come up with various ideas and thoughts and then in a room, the flow comes in without any hindrances. In right storming, people start writing their thoughts in individual sheets. I ask them to write one idea per sheet. What is working well, what's not working well like that. So it's like you find these teams individually working on what's working well, not so working well. This helps in two things. Everybody's working in parallel. Everybody's thought is captured. And it also avoids this group bias, which means it's like in a room, if a person is loudly speaking, other people will quieten up. Or if a leader is speaking, other people tend to align along with the leader. So all those things will be eliminated with this type of right storming. Let's start clustering them into various groups and see what is the area which you need to address. And if this area is an area of problem for us, let's ideate on that area, what would be the problem solution? And then people tend to come up with, okay, we can do like this, we can do like that. And from that particular ideation method, where that is essentially idea generation, try to get the solutions, put them together, and then go for actions. See, uh, the effort that you put in to make sure you take out bias from the discussion, that's really important. Otherwise, you might get some other result and it's not <laughs> working out. Yeah, so, what I'm saying too, as a, as a facilitator, is very, very, very important. You have to always maintain a neutral stance so that the people in the room, they have trust in you. They trust you that the facilitator is doing his role. What are the things that you like about your role? If you heard about this particular concept called Ikigai, it's a Japanese term. Ikigai is something that's like what you're good at and working on the same thing which you love to do. And it's something which the company is also willing to pay for. And that's also where the need is. If you have intersection of all these four things, that is called Ikigai. In my case, that happens to be process. Lovely Prabhu. I just love the Ikigai concept. Yes. And I have read that book and that sweet spot is so hard to find, you know, <laughs> Yeah, that, that is hard to find as rightly said. And then it's like, they really go in for that. Probably the answer is no. And it came in, it evolved over a period of time. So if you ask me, did they start my career as a process expert type of things? No, I started as a customer services person, my first role after my engineering. And then I did my MBA from IIM and then joined GE. In GE, there was a Six Sigma going on very heavily. You know, Jack Welch Six Sigma in year uh, 2000 during that time. Right. And then I got um, a Greenbelt certified initially. That was some 20 years back. And I like those. I like the concept of processes. And then I started further working on that. And then I became a black belt for Asia operations. I loved it further. And then I started building up on that one and was a master black belt in the next few years. And then I started building further and then <clears throat> became a eight certified process professional, which means you develop expertise in six different types of processes, apart from being a change acceleration expert, as well as creating business impact. So like that, if you look at this, it is like it's a journey which happened over a period of time. I tend to like it. And then I was getting better at it by just working more and more on the particular area and then adding more and more skills around that area. And what I realized is like today, there is a requirement for building processes across teams, building processes across functions. And 
if you look at it, how this Ikigai came in happened over a period of time. It happened like something which I like, that also happened to be at work. There's also a need for it. And interestingly, I get paid for it. <laughs> See, Prabhu, I know when you spoke about this, right? I know your journey, you evolved into this path of uh, process and found your calling. Now, what yeah. would you tell for uh, people who are looking to have a career in this path? What is the career path like? Yeah, it's like if you start your uh, journey on the process side, it's like, okay, initially always the best thing is like, be part of a business, be part of a business operations. It could be any, any business, could be something referring to manufacturing, industrial or software or sales or whichever area it is. Try to be in the business for some time so that you know how the business operates. And then you get in the process area. When you say process area, it means there are various ways, for example, Six Sigma, you have this green belt, black belt, and so on, various methods or various courses are there. Or some companies, it's like they have in-company training sessions which coach people on processes. And then you have this lean methods. Then you have certain places, they'll have a very customized method in the particular company on process building. So always will recommend us like start with business operations or business first before getting to the process area. So that when you're building processes, you'll have some relevance to the business, how it operates. So that's the first part. And then you build on a process skills. And the more you work on process, you'll get the better at it. For example, some of the skills you talked about, it's not fully analytical. You start with analytics because you look at the current state, data, future state, all those things are numbers. Because without numbers, you cannot measure progress. And what gets measured gets improved. So my numbers are very important. At the next level, you'll find it's like you deal with people. So how do you interact with various teams to see to that these things are implemented? And today, if you look at the general statistics, 70% of the process changes fail. It's not because the technical solution was bad. The process was bad. It's because of acceptance. How do you get the acceptance from teams so that this can be implemented? So you get to hone your skills better on facilitation, change acceleration, and so on. And it's a continuous learning process. And then what type of career happens here? So it's like, you know, with the business, you know, with the process, and because you know, these two things, you know how to make improvements, which every company loves a person who can understand the challenges in the business, help us to make improvements and also monitor. Now, either you can become a deep domain expert, expert in the particular area. <clears throat> in my case, I chose that. And then today I've gone uh, deep into the process areas and then I'm where I am today. Some people, what they do is like, they like to have the process expertise and then get into operations. It could be a sales operations or it could be in the IT operations and so on. There, they apply the skills of process and business knowledge together so that they can make improvements in their area of work. And they also be leading a team. So now they can apply what they've learned directly in their team and then make the team grow much better, much faster. Nice, Prabhu. See, one thing that I'm always inspired about what you do is, yes, you're passionate about your work and your process. Uh, but beyond that, I just love the way you apply it outside work in what you do with your NGOs. How do you apply the same skills that you apply at work outside that drives a lot of change and benefit for others? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, true. So even NGOs and other places, which is a process. So you apply exactly the same methods which you apply in all these places there. 
an example, a, a few years back, I was working with an orphanage and this orphanage was having a lot of cash flow issues. So every time before the end of the month comes in, it's like uh, this run of cash. And then I happened to work with the team and then started understanding how the process is. Again, the same thing, which I told a little while back, I do not know what exactly happens step by step there, but being a process expert, I went there, got the teams who are working on the particular area aligned together and asked them to map the flow. Same thing, step-by-step step using post-its. What's happening, how they're running the operations from beginning to end. And then I realized it's like we mapped it and specifically looking at the gaps pertaining to the cash flow issues, we found there are 22 types of credits, credit purchases that particular group was doing. We identified that as the biggest gap and then went for the root cause analysis of that one, why they're doing it, and finally brought it down to just two things, just two types of credit they can do. Everything else has to be intent basis. And within the next four months, they became much streamlined in their cash flow areas because they knew exactly where they're spending, where they're not spending, where they need to spend, where they should not spend. And they also had a good control of their various levels of spending and where the funds coming in, where the funds are being used. So just by doing a visualization mapping of the whole process flow, you're able to identify the gaps and then put some mechanism in place so that those things are controlled and things got much better. Similar type of things, I also work with Sunday school during weekends. Again, there I work on building operations, how we can have a structured approach of how the classes happen. Today there are more than 400 children, which means we have to have a way how to handle the various children on Sundays on the Sunday school. So again, structure. What happens first? What happens next? What happens then? And how will the whole uh, program operate week after week, month after month? Process happens everywhere. It's just how you apply your skills to make it better is all that's needed. We spoke a little bit about this earlier too, but for somebody who's going to choose a career in this path, what are the things that they should be prepared for? Yeah, if you want to choose a career in process methods, it's like one, you should be having a good, what I call that, a love for process and numbers, which is basically some analytics you should be comfortable with. Along with that, you should also make effort to learn about the business, whichever business you are in. Suppose you are developing, you are in the software development side, say, try to understand where your software is going to be used and how it's going to be used so that you can develop the right products for the customer being good in analytics, being good in process, along with that learning a little more business operations. If you're good in all the three, again, it doesn't happen overnight. It requires conscious effort to build up on that. Because quite often what happens is people hone up the skills so much on analytics side, you may come up with a lot of numbers, but unless you're able to explain that particular numbers, outcomes in terms of business context, what these numbers mean? Does it mean we are having too much of defects in this area? Or does it mean that we are having too much of cycle time? Or is it because it's like we are losing heavily in this particular market? So unless you're able to translate those analytics into areas where the business can benefit, the business won't be very much appreciative of what the numbers are. So you should be able to connect your analytics, your process, the business outcomes is all that's needed. Thank you so much, Prabhu. 
I absolutely enjoyed the conversation with you and I'm sure anybody listening to this will now have a better understanding of what process is. Thank you. Thanks, Deepa. Even I do enjoy it. I didn't, I never realized the time flew by. It was wonderful <laughs> talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Do send us your feedback at throughthecorporateclass.com and follow us on Twitter at Corporate Glass. You can also email us at feedback at throughthecorporateglass.com. We'd love to hear from you.